Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Welcome to the OC Bitches ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Bye, bitches. Welcome to the OC Bitches, season four, episode eight, Earth Girls Are Easy. Hi, Rachel. How are you doing today? Hi. Hi. I'm chewing, you guys, I'm chewing a triple ginger pretzel from Trader Joe's. It was so good. Uh-oh. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. You got to get your uh, nutrients in somehow, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sure. Super, super healthy. So guys, we have Norman Buckley back. Um, If you were listening a few episodes ago, he offered up to come back and we will always have him because I guess this would probably be your last episode with us. You think? Yes, I think so. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did one more. I did one more episode in the fourth season, but I, that was my least favorite episode. So, you know, tell us what you were to talk about this one, but. Tell us what you just told us since you won't be back when we do the finale. Well, I, I actually told you this in the very first episode that I did with you guys. Oh, okay. But I directed both of you out of the series finale. I did your last scenes because they brought me in to do second unit for Ian Toyton. Ian Toyton directed the episode. He was my mentor. Uh, he um, uh, taught me a great deal, but he brought me in to do second unit. And because there was so much stuff to shoot for the series finale. And I directed both of your last scenes on the series. Aww. So, and, and, and neither one of you remember that, which hurts my feelings. But <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> such as it is. Sometimes the memories are jogged when we're, when I'm watching it. Sometimes memories kind of mush into each other because it's so interesting how much I don't remember. And then you guys will talk about something or I'll hear something from somebody else. And I'll go like, oh, yeah, that happened. So there is a lot of information that gets ejected from the hard drives inside our heads when it's no longer useful. But for (laughs) me, that was a big deal. For me, that was a huge thing to be a part of the series finale and to actually direct certain. I directed directed you and Willa out of the show, Mindy, Mm -hmm. and I directed uh, you and Adam out of the show, Rachel, and I directed uh, Peter and Kelly out of the show. I did their last name. That's a big deal. I remember, Norman, I remember when Brody rapped, and I talked to Brody about this, and he made a comment to the crew when he rapped. So I'm assuming that would have been the scene you directed. We Were were we on stage? Yes, it was on stage, and he was like, yep, I'm out of here, bye. No, he was like, well, it's been lucrative. (laughs) 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 It's okay, I called him out. I called him out about it. It's fine. But I did call him out because I was like, dude, that was those were your parting words. (laughs) At least he was honest in his feelings. (laughs) He did did not stop for any big emotional uh, send off. Uh, That's that's true. That that is one thing I remember, too. It was uh, (laughs) it was abrupt and it was like, okay, okay, I guess we're done. You know, I do have to admit I did a series that I kind of felt the same way about when I did Nikita just because it was a completely different experience than the OC, which was, you know, I've got my daughter and I can go home to my daughter. And uh, and when I was doing Nikita, it was in Toronto and I was flying back and forth. And it was just it was it was rough, just physically and mentally and everything. And when it was done, you know, I was like, thank you so much. 
man, these five years have been intense. And somebody said, it's not been five years. It's been like three. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I thought it was five seasons and it was really only four seasons that amounted to about three years. So <laughs> I was like, I'm ready to get back. But Reality um, check. Well, yeah, I think, it's, I think it's interesting. It's interesting the way that memory works too. And uh, or just, you know, the way that we think about experiences. Somebody may be having a really important experience for themselves that's not necessarily as important to other people. Mm-hmm. And um, even what I remember about these episodes, the, what I remember before the episodes, and then I go back and look at the episode later, and I go like, oh, wow. Like, there was a lot about this particular episode that I didn't remember. Mm-hmm. I remember this stuff that we shot in the desert mm-hmm. with uh, the bathroom and the alien. And I remember being so pleased with all of that, that in my mind, this was like one of my favorite episodes, but on rewatching it, I was kind of like, Oh yeah, I really loved that part of the episode, but I'd forgotten all about certain other aspects of the episode that I look at and I go, huh, that's, <laughs> that's interesting. Right. Right. Our memories <laughs> so, are very, interesting like what we carry with us and you know a lot of times our memories when it comes to a show like this is it did I remember the actual moment or is it because I watched the show a number of times after that the memory is actually of watching it so I I I definitely have moments in this particular episode there are moments where I'm like I remember that day specifically and for it's usually because of what I was wearing because I liked it or something, but uh, <laughs> but not necessarily you know I don't necessarily remember all the storylines and what was happening. I just I totally forgot that Kevin Sorbo was in this episode. <laughs> I totally forgot that. <laughs> I totally forgot that I was the one who directed his his debut into the OC. I totally forgot, and then I was thinking back on the casting session because. I just forgot all of that. So it's interesting. Patrick well, Rush made a comment so. when he was on about it too. He's so funny. Anyway. Well, you know, Patrick Rush is the one who was pushing that forward. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, um, I actually it's, it's think, just interesting. I think he was, I, you know, and we can get into it more when we get into it, but um, I think it was really interesting casting and it was not, not what I expected. And it, I just think it worked though, you know, aside from, well, I, 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 I would have given him a haircut, but you know, <laughs> not Hercules me. anymore, right? <laughs> That's Hercules. I kept going Fabio in my head, and I know he's not Fabio, but I'm like, he's something. <laughs> Dude, that that reminds me of something. I actually did. I have I said this on the podcast. I got a call from a casting director once who said, who knew me, and said, Melinda, we're testing Fabio, and we need an actor to do this test for us. Just, I wasn't in the pilot. They just needed an actor to do this scene with him. And I found the tape, you guys, of me doing this, <laughs> this pilot. It's just like, you know, home video of trying to get, you know, doing this pilot. Well, somehow, I don't know why he had my number, but he would call me and I would see him driving around in a little red Miata and his head was taller than the <laughs> windshield. And I remember specifically driving down La Brea once and seeing him at the light at Sunset and La Brea with his head popped over the windshield and going through the light. I'm like, <gasps> and I ducked as I was driving because I didn't want him to see me <laughs> because he was kind of pursuing me a little bit. But anyway, side note. Digress. You said well. I, I think I think we should. I think we should uh, see that uh, 
that tape. I think <laughs> you should share that tape. And I, I do should, have that's it. That's something that should be on the podcast. <laughs> yes. But I had well, worked I, with... I think it's only right that you share it. Yeah. I, I knew Kevin Sorbo, actually, because when I did Xena back in 96, he was doing Hercules. And we had spent, you know, the whole crew was, you know, they did those two shows together. And I had spent Thanksgiving with him. Um, and the cold crew and found him quite nice. And it, he was, he was great to work with. I actually think I have his number in my he phone. Was, he was very, <laughs> he was very easy to work with. Yeah. I remember him being um, a real professional and being very easy to work with. And in the scenes that we did together, it was a pleasant experience. Yes. So. Very much so. Well, there was, well, anyway, why don't, first of all, earth girls are easy. Why don't Mindy, you read the synopsis for what this episode is, and then we will go there. Because I also have questions about the Kevin Sorbo of it all. Okay. But. Yes. <laughs> it's New Year's Eve. Seth Summer, Taylor, and Ryan head to Vegas, where they encounter aliens, pregnancy tests, and a potential marriage proposal. Meanwhile, Bullet introduces a new accountant, Frank, who might blow up Julie's new endeavors at New Match. Written by no- Mark Fish, directed by Norman Buckley. Original air date is December 28th, 2006. Uh, Yeah, that would be New Year's. So (laughs) let's get Mm. into this. I want to point out that uh, the first uh, podcast I did with you guys was about the uh, New Year's Eve episode in the first season. And the last podcast I'm doing with you is the New Year's Eve uh, episode in the fourth season. So I found some interesting symmetry in that. And it feels like a different show. From then to now, doesn't it? It certainly does. <laughs> right? It certainly does. So keeping with the, um, you know, the new fun and energy of season four, we have this unique opening that, uh, you know, like what the hell is going on at the gas station? And and here's this, the girls are in the, in the bathroom waiting for a pregnancy test. And there's so much information that just grabs the audience. So tell us about this opening and, you know, how that came about. Well, it was uh, scripted this way, um, that it began with a scene in the uh, bathroom. And I want to give a shout out to the editor, who was Jeff Granzo, because he came up with the um, idea to run everything in reverse to get back to the seven hours before. As yeah. I remember, it was just scripted that uh, you see these scenes and then it just cuts to seven hours before. But he uh, found that piece of music and came up with that, and and uh, I don't I don't remember the specifics of how we did it, but I just know that he came up with the idea of running thing, everything everything that had happened up to that point in the story in reverse, which mm-hmm. I thought was a very effective way to tell the story. So uh, we did things in season four that were quite different stylistically from anything we'd done before. And uh, I really enjoyed uh, seeing that again. I'd totally forgotten about it. I thought it was a wonderful beginning to the show. Uh, I remember uh, Buzz Feichens shot it, and he proposed the idea of coming up over the top of the bathroom stall mm-hmm. uh, for the beginning, which I really love. I just like to give shout-outs to, to my collaborators who, <laughs> who propose certain things because I think the idea – Oftentimes, is that, that a director comes in and decides every single thing, and that's just not the case. You know, a director is bouncing his ideas off of other people. And I had wonderful collaborators, both on the editorial side and the production design side. I don't know that we've talked about CC DeStefano, who mm-hmm. was the production designer in season four, and she came up with a lot of those uh, wonderful new sets. And uh, I just found season four to be an exciting time for me as a director because I was 
basically just absorbing all of these ideas from different people who really helped me. And, and uh, I think stylistically, this is the most, one of the most interesting episodes that I directed. Um, I always say that, you know, a well-directed episode is if you can turn down the sound and track all of the various beats of what's happening. And I think this episode probably more than any other, that's the case. You know, this would be a really fun episode to watch just for its, its, its visuals alone. Cause it, 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 I love the transitions from the rave in the desert to the New Year's Eve party. I thought every single transition really worked back and forth. The music changes. A lot of that was uh, Jeff Granzo. So, you know, shout out to all those people for all of their wonderful support to me. You make a great, great point that when you've got a group of people that have been working closely together every single day, 10 months out of the year, if not more, because we were doing so many episodes, that um, you have such a relationship with the DP and the production design and everybody puts, you know, if, if you can imagine you're on set at the beginning of the day and you've scouted this location, but you're showing all the, you know, everyone like what the scene is going to be. And, and you have this, you have to be agreeable and not, you know, um, disagreeable, obviously. I mean, there were so many little details. Like I noticed like who chose to have a piece of tissue in the toilet, you know, (laughs) (laughs) one that's just a floater there <laughs> oh god I, I i i do remember that that was to make it feel like it was a really seedy right. toilet and uh, uh i i also love the somebody scratched in the idea of the 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 the, the graffiti on the wall of the stall said, watch out for UFOs. Right, uh, right. That wasn't something I asked for. That was something that someone thought it's an episode about aliens. Let's throw in, watch out for UFOs on the, on the toilet stall to make it feel <laughs> like it was a seedy toilet. Right. But I don't remember exactly why we put the, the toilet <laughs> tissue in there, but I think it was, it was to make it feel that way, to make it feel like, Ooh, you yeah. know, you know, I, I love the idea that you took the, the toilet um, seat cover before you sat down on it. You know, that you pulled that out <laughs> before you sat down on the toilet. I just love that detail, and uh, I don't remember how we came up with some of these things, but I just remember everybody was everybody was operating on all cylinders that day. Right. Did you know that typical children's vitamins are filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk? It's basically giving your kids candy every morning. That's why Haya was created. It is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and is perfect for picky eaters. Now, I feel so good giving my daughter these vitamins. Of course, she tried the others, but learning that basically it was just candy first thing in the morning, I am so grateful for Haya. Haya is non-GMO, vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else you can imagine. It's formulated with the help of nutritional experts, and it's pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, 
then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. Hyatt is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door so parents have one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash OC. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash OC and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Who knew? that a better pillowcase is all you need for better sleep. Let's talk about practicing self-care while you sleep. Okay, that's why I absolutely love my Blissy. Award-winning, 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. I am so picky about how I sleep. Everything needs to be cool. And that includes what covers my pillow. So with Blissy, you know what? I had no idea what I was missing. Seriously, silk is what's best for your hair and skin. It reduces frizz tangles and prevents breakage. That's because it keeps the moisture in your hair and keeps your skincare products and natural moisture on your skin while cotton literally absorbs it off of your face. You can say goodbye to wrinkles, dry, flaky, and red skin in the morning and wake up with healthier and shinier hair that won't take you an hour to fix. Now, my daughter doesn't have tangles in the morning, which would take me a half hour to comb out before Blissey's. Blissey silk pillowcases are the best ones on the market. They have a ton of different prints and colors, and they make great gifts because there's an option for literally anyone. Men love them too. They have over 1.5 million raving fans, and you could be next. Try now risk-free for 60 nights at blissy.com slash the OC and get an additional 30% off. That's B-L-I-S-S-Y dot com slash the OC and use code the OC to get an additional 30% off. You'll wake up feeling better than ever. I remember that location. I had, you know, my memory is always just a, we never know. It's a crapshoot. But I remember being out in the desert. But what I realized is the scenes I remember the most are scenes that we have when we had like an on-set photographer taking pictures. Because over the years, I've seen the pictures. Mm -hmm. And there's like a picture, an, a behind-the-scenes shot of like me sitting, I think, on Adam's lap, like in between takes or something at that desert location. And so it instantly like takes me there, just like later in the episode with pancakes on the bed and that top I'm wearing, it's because there's like these pictures that exist on the internet. Mm -hmm. And so I instantly mm -hmm. remember that. But I do, where was the desert? Where were we shooting exactly? Do you remember? So it was up by Lancaster. It's basically a movie set. You see it in mm -hmm. a lot of commercials. You see it in a lot of films. It's, it's not an operating filling station or diner. It's a set that somebody built and a lot of people use it. Uh, and we used it for the exteriors. The interior of the bathroom was built back on the stage. Ah. Uh, the rave venue or the, the, in, the interior of the rave was on stage. The exteriors of the, of the rave were at a abandoned airport in uh, Hawthorne. So mm -hmm. just a couple mm -hmm. of miles from the studio. So th this, this was an episode I feel, I feel very proud of it in the sense that I had a very clear vision of what each one of these sections needed to be. And I had it worked out in my mind how the exteriors would connect to the interiors so that it all feels rather seamless. And I'm very proud of that part of it. 
And I think this is an example of where my editing training really helps me as a director because there was no actual complete location. It wasn't like the bathroom was there in the desert. We only did the exteriors there. The interior of the rave wasn't connected to the exterior of the rave. So I had to know in my mind how those things went together and how it, how it would feel seeing people move from space to space. And, and I feel really good about that. When I look back on it, I'm like, yeah, it works. You know, <laughs> totally bought that that bathroom was in the desert. Totally bought that uh, that rave venue was all of a piece. Mm-hmm. So let's let's cut to seven hours earlier. And we see Ryan and Seth talking about their last coffee of 06 and what they're doing for, you know, New Year's. Of course, you're cutting between Seth and Summer, sorry, um, Summer and Taylor and Ryan and Seth. And they're both thinking like, is is Vegas going to be cheesy? Is my lingerie going to be cheesy? And um, I just think it's really sweet. You know, this relationship between Taylor and Ryan is so different than Ryan and Marissa because that was like sweet, innocent, almost, you know, high school kids with vulnerability. And these guys are just operating on a slightly different, you know, I think Ryan is excited to be with, quote, peaches, you know, because she, Taylor is like sexually a more, a little more mature and adventurous and, and they're, they're on the same wavelength. Like, let's go to Vegas and have a hot night. But in the meantime, Seth is kind of, um, with, <laughs> I love this scene between Seth and, and Rachel, well, Rachel with summer. <laughs> what is it? Uh, what does his uh, shirt say? That's just awful. It's like the worst gift ever. Jamaican me crazy. Jamaican me crazy. And yeah. then she's like, Jamaica, and she like throws it back at him later, which I really liked. Because <laughs> you, what is it? What does she say? You can't um, Jamaica that decision remember. or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but when did New uh, Year's become such a big like couples holiday? Is it? I mean, I guess I, I understand the, the Valentine's, but um, maybe it was just, so, is it a big deal yeah, for I you thought guys? This was like, I thought it was Valentine's for a second, even though they had said New Year's. I'm like, oh, is it Valentine's Day again? <laughs> because. Right. She was like, what are our plans tonight and stuff? I think lots of people want to have a, a big, everybody wants to have a big New Year's Eve. I mean, well, it's, it's, um, it's an excuse to party and go crazy, I think. When you get a little bit older, yeah. you're like, I'm happy to be in bed. <laughs> because oh, yeah. I used to Rarely make, it a big make deal. midnight. <laughs> yeah. Well, once you have the kids and stuff. Well, I went to Austin for New Year's and sat above a party and looked down at the party. That's the <laughs> way that uh, I spent my last New Year's Eve. But I did not participate in the party. I just <laughs> watched it from a hotel balcony. Back to what you were saying, though, about um, Taylor and um, Ryan being together. I do feel like, as I said on the last podcast, she brings his energy up. It's more mm-hmm. comic. It's more. It's got a screwball comedy feeling to it. And she's very good with this kind of dialogue that on the page, you know, you, you would look at it and go like, oh, is that going to work? You know, making these jokes back and forth about this lingerie. And and um, one of the things about Autumn Research is, is she can really sell that stuff. And I, I thought that she, she was great in this episode. Yeah, she can sell everything, even the whole explanation of she's like, Summer, you're pregnant. And like her whole Exposition, exposition like backstory was like well you had your period when I was da, 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 da. and like she just had she's given all of these things and she always just knocks it out of the park <laughs> I, I was thinking about that you know because as the audience is going along with the episode and she picks up this t- the tampox box and she looks at her notes obviously the audience thinks oh wow what's is it about Taylor but when she says summer 
Now it's so plausible that it's Taylor. Anybody else? I don't. I never paid attention to my friends' cycles, you know. Uh, but but it but it's so plausible that someone like Taylor would be that person. And when they <laughs> when they end up in the car together after Seth, of course, hijacks this because he's screwed up, and Sandy's like, you know, you got to make this gesture and make it personal. And his version of that is to hijack. Ryan and Taylor. But when you guys are in the car scene, it is so funny and it was so entertaining. And my favorite moment is when we're talking about Taylor and Autumn Reeser, when she leans over and she goes, Summer, there's something in your hair. And she's playing with your hair. She's like, I think you need to call tell, tell Seth. And it's just, there's, I don't know. I, I have so much joy in this season that as I'm watching, there's there's not any any of the frustration that I had last season. I just am just and so enjoying it. And that that whole car scene was so just entertaining. Yeah, I like when I take her hand when she covers for me. I thought that was sweet. Yes. And the whole car scene was um, rear screen projection. We did all of that on the stage. So mm-hmm. the car was on stage and all of that was uh, footage that we had but send a second unit out to pick up in the desert so that um, we could get all those various angles in the car. Because as you know, if you're shooting in an actual car with a rig, it's a lot harder to shoot and it's a lot harder to direct if you're having to listen to someone speak to you through a walkie-talkie. So I was glad that we shot this on stage. Can I ask... Also, lighting's prettier. The lighting's prettier on everybody. <laughs> right. That's um, can, may I ask that, um, has the technology that was 17 years ago now or something, um, has it changed any? Has it gotten better for something like what you're discussing? Well, I think rear screen projection certainly has gotten better. Um, the, you know, everything is different. It just depends on your schedule. Mm-hmm. I just did NCIS Hawaii, and we actually shot with car rigs. But I looked at it on air, and I thought, God, it looks like rear screen projection. It would have just been easier to do that back at the stage. Wow. But um, everybody has their various reasons for doing it the way they do it, which are usually budgetary. So it, it depends on if you have a space on the stage for the car and the screen. and Can you lock and down the street, stuff. right? Can you close the street? Do you have the mm-hmm. permits? Yeah. yeah. Is it easier for us just to do a rig on the car and then we'll just shoot it? Uh, but, but I hate shooting on a rig uh, if I'm in a separate vehicle because it's just very hard to talk to the actors and try to give notes. But this was all shot on the stage. And I, I actually thought this scene worked really well. I remember that being a difficult day, though. I don't know if you remember it, Rachel, but it was a difficult day shooting it. It wasn't, it wasn't easy. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember, but I believe you. <laughs> Come on, tell us. We're at the end. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> no, uh, what? Okay, both, both, of the, both of the boys that day were being really difficult okay. and just really low energy on the lines. And I was, I was having a, I was having a hard time mm-hmm. on, um, trying to keep the energy up and and autumn was coming in really you know uh at at 11 uh and 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 rachel you always gave it as good as you got the boys were coming in at you know four and five and so i was going in a lot trying to say come on you know you guys gotta like bring you gotta bring it more you've gotta let me see some degree of of uh the repartee that was needed for that scene it was not. It was not my favorite day of shooting. I oh, Well, you know, it is interesting. <laughs> but but think, think how much harder it would have been 
if we'd been doing it on walkie-talkies. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, if I'd been trying to to give those kinds of notes with walkie-talkies, as it was, I was able to go up to the car and talk to each of them privately and just say, "Come on, I need you to to bring me a little bit, bring a little bit more to the scene and and help me out here." I I have had that experience once. I did a little movie and I was doing a scene of with um with Huey Lewis of all people. If you Huey Lewis <laughs> in the news, and my take on it was this very underplayed stoic detective and Huey was a little bit bigger and the director came in and like screamed at me. He's like, you need to match him. And I was like, what? And I was like, because I was like, well, so I like, I need some energy. I need some of this and that because it felt it. And it is kind of true that sometimes it's like, where, like where if somebody's this high and this one's, it, it make can make the scene awkward, but, for some reason, I thought the whole thing worked. So whatever result you got, it, it worked out great. <laughs> well, again, I, I want to, you know, what I feel proudest about from my own, from my own working process was that I knew what I needed to cut it together. This was, this was a very editorialized episode because of the fact that we were shooting all of these things in different places. So it was up to me to make sure that every actor's arc was consistent. Mm-hmm. And that nobody was overplaying or underplaying relative to where they were in the story. So I feel very good about that part of it. I gotta be honest, I love to stretch out my hair wash days as long as possible. And my secret? Living Proof's dry shampoo. Living Proof has two options for you. The original dry shampoo, which is my go-to, or their advanced clean dry shampoo that works like a shampoo and a leave-in conditioner together. Both take care of your scalp and leave no white residue behind. It's a miracle in a bottle. I have my Living Proof dry shampoo with me on standby. For those of you that don't know, Living Proof is powered by MIT Science. It was founded by a team of elite university scientists and hair experts that developed products to solve your toughest hair problems. I had never been a fan of using dry shampoo before Living Proof but I never knew what I was missing. My hair gets so flat and lifeless in between washes, but now just use a little of that dry shampoo and I'm ready to go. If you're not sure what products your hair really needs, you can take Living Proof's AI online healthcare quiz, which analyzes your specific hair care needs and styling goals, then uses that to help customize the right hair care routine for you. I took the quiz and I cannot live without the anti-frizz products they have. Seriously, my hair, it gets real frizzy. Also, I never liked dry shampoo before Living Proof. Yeah. I like to go a week sometimes without washing my hair. Don't tell anybody. Okay. I won't tell anybody. Visit livingproof.com slash the OC and use code the OC10 to get a free travel size dry shampoo with your purchase of $45 or more. That's livingproof.com slash the OC code the OC10 to get a free travel size dry shampoo with your purchase of $45 or more. Livingproof.com slash the OC code the OC10. When you're saying about the editorial, like how it was in different locations, even when, you know, they're at the rave and it's outside and you see, they see the alien girl, right? Run up the stairs. Mm -hmm. I assume the interior, which you cut to, was not there again right i thought that was that, that's right that was that was a set on the stage yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah and that was like my favorite with, one with I, the, yeah with the alien and her Z- zorknog <laughs> zorknog spell it <laughs> what's my name zorknog spell it z u e oh z z e r k n hyphen hyphen n o 
what does that spell? Zergnaw. Again. Zergnaw. With a dash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Zergnaw. But you know, one of the things that does happen that's kind of important is because Seth did see when he thought, oh, uh, all of a sudden he wanted toothpaste. So he sees this test and and Taylor claims it, claims the bag is her own. And then when Ryan, he overhears Ryan and Taylor talking and Taylor's all of a sudden saying, um, yeah, we're not going to get intimate because we need their first time to be special. And then Seth's like, are you sure you haven't had sex with her? Because so then that cat's out of the bag, right? Um, as the alien comes out, first of all, jumping for the great costume and jumping into a really cool car. I mean, do you get to pick the car? Yes. Yeah. The yes, we picked the car and it was also, there was a lot of discussion in in, um, in prep. Uh, and I, this writer wasn't on set with me, so I can't really remember. I didn't have a lot of feedback from the writer on this particular episode. So I think I was pretty much left to my own devices. But, you know, I love this idea of just going, let's let's just take it to the limit. Let's really dress her up as a, as a ridiculous looking alien. And they brought me various types of cars. And I, I feel like I could be wrong about this, but I've always loved those old Cadillacs with the fins. And I said, I'd really love it to be like an old Cadillac that has fins on it. Mm -hmm. And so the transportation department brought me pictures of various cars. Uh, I just, I felt like that added something to it. It, it was, it was absurd. So right. why not go whole hog on well, the absurdity? It feels like Frank Sinatra old, you know, Vegas feeling, you know, the 50s, Yeah, 60s well, I think that that was one right. of the. Yeah, well, I think that was one of the inspirations is they're going to Vegas. You know, mm -hmm. let's make it feel like the Vegas that we imagine in our in our minds. Let's make it Ocean's Eleven. And <laughs> I, I also want to say something about the pregnancy test. Uh, this is a funny story. The pregnancy test, uh, the art department came up with a fake brand of pregnancy test. And then the following year, I did an episode of Gossip Girl. And the props department brought me this pregnancy test that just said pregnancy test on it. And I said, well, wait a minute, guys. I said, these are high-end Upper East Side kids. I think they wouldn't buy the, the generic pregnancy test. They'd buy one that has a product name. And they, the Gossip Girl prop guys were like, well, we don't want to research a product name. And I said, well, I just did a pregnancy test last season on the OC. So that's a Warner Brothers show. So go ask legal what the name of the pregnancy test is and use that one. Right. So I, I thought that I thought that was funny because there's a continuity between pregnancy tests between the OC and Gossip Girl. It's in the details, man. In the details. You know what's so funny? Speaking of prop names, uh, it was so funny because uh, one time Hayden was working on a movie and he brought home a pack of cigarettes, and on them they're called Bilson, <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Why is my name on a pack of cigarettes? <laughs> and it turns out that's like a prop guy's last name. And so now it's come up multiple times. I've been on set and there's a pack of cigarettes, which you probably don't see much anymore. But and they all had Bilson on them. Huh. It's like a, I'm a brand. Well, of that's that's the way it happens. That's the way it happens <laughs> is because they clear these names. And then if somebody calls uh, clearances and says we need a name for a cigarette pack. Then they say, oh, well, we've cleared Bilson in the past, so let's use that. Right. Or, you know, right. whatever this pregnancy test was called, I can't remember. But uh, I do uh, think it's funny that I directed an episode in the OC and an episode in Gossip Girl. Mm. 
that revolved around a pregnancy test. <laughs> Who would ever thunk it, huh? Who would have thought it? So the, okay, so the so our four jump in the Range Rover to follow this alien, slutty alien, as Taylor would call her. I love that scene. I love that scene. I love that scene. I love that scene where they come running out of the yes. of the um, bathroom to chase the alien. And um, I remember doing that in just a couple of takes. Uh, Autumn and Rachel were so good. Um, it was, it was, del- it's delightful to me still. Well, they, well, they follow her to a, I guess it's, um, and it, I think there later on, there's a little sign that says area 51, which I don't think is actually supposed to be area 51, but it's an area 51 themed party. Or what do you think? Is it because you couldn't really have a party in area? 51, well, right? <laughs> I, I think it was supposed to, it was just, we were just having fun. Yeah. I remember saying, like, we should make it Area 51. <laughs> right. And uh, somebody threw that on there. But, yeah, it's not really Area 51. But it is it is an abandoned hangar that they're supposed to be in. So okay. I, I did love the idea that it was somewhere out in the desert where weird shit was happening on the base. It's so plausible. <laughs> and it looks like an awesome party. And so, you know, of course, the girls are looking for uh, for this alien thinking it'll be easy to to find this person and they go in and there's hundreds of aliens so it's not going to be so easy and when they're so when they're looking seth has this moment where he's like hey okay before you know i'm you know when i found out it was actually taylor's i wanted to do this before so give me a paw and it's just (laughs) gut-wrenching that He's like, because it's not yours. Could you imagine if we were looking for yours in summer and your delivery was great? And it was like, Seth. And he instantly knows like, oh shit. And summer takes off. But my favorite part of this whole series, or sorry, this whole episode is this dude comes out and he goes, oh my God, it's really you. Seth Cohen, I saw you at Comic-Con years ago. Oh, I'm a huge Huge, huge Atomic County fan. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Check it out, man. I'm Kit Chino. I started laughing out loud and just like, I just was beaming watching it. I thought it was so clever and so detailed because this is really what it's like to go to these conventions where some somebody is like dressing up as this character and I wouldn't have thought it until he said, I'm, I'm Kit Chino and he makes the pose. It's so awesome. I loved it. The details. That, that kid, I don't remember his name, but he was very good, I thought. I thought he was very funny. <laughs> he was very funny. I mean, we've talked about that neck band and the fact that they, maybe because people talked about it so much, you know, it was in the script that this kid is dressed up like Chino and Kid Chino in our wardrobe department made sure that he looked just like him. Well, yeah. wardrobe <laughs> in this episode is great. Yes. It's great. They had to it's outfit everybody, everything right? Everything about it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> And, and I, I think it's 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 spectacular. I remember the alien girl vividly. And I remember Kid Chino as well, like his face. I remember that guy, but I couldn't, again, tell you. And he was very committed. I have to commend him for that. <laughs> yes. Very um, good. But yeah, so the whole party, you know, goes down. Uh, the purse, the mystery, pregnancy test. What's it going to be? But meanwhile... We should talk about what's going on outside of this party. We start with Julie on the phone with Spencer and she's whispering about these. Um, she's like, we can't keep, you know, she's basically explaining that she can't keep doing pizza because everyone's doing pizza, which of course is a throwback to Julie's porno 
and the pizza guy, right? <laughs> and because they're, they're spending a lot of money on pizza. And then she says, is there, do you know anything about laundering? And, and he's like, no, sorry, I don't, I don't know. And she's like, I can't keep putting this cash under like pizza. It doesn't make sense. And if, then we see this like mysterious guy in, in the background, um, eavesdropping on Spencer, like, who is this guy? What's going on? <laughs> but she hangs up and then Kirsten, Kirsten is like, Julie, let me do the books. And somehow Julie's like, no, no, no. She's like, you know, Kirsten's like, I think I know a little bit better than you. And she's like, no, no, I got to learn. And then she asks, asks her to go get coffee, which is hysterical. <laughs> and Bullet comes in and, he, you know, here's what I'm questioning. He's like, we've had zero this and that, and we've had zero hanky panky, you know? And I was like, <laughs> wait, are they dating? What's going on? They, uh, the last time we saw them, they had, <laughs> they had breakfast at the montage. Like Julie agreed to breakfast and Gordon, and he admitted, he was like, you get under my skin, you make me nervous. And I guess, but Julie's, I don't know. He's acting like their girlfriend boyfriend. So I was a little confused. I mean, I think she kind of likes it. There, there are also, there's stuff in this episode, I have to say, that you'd never get away with now. Okay. You know, the very idea of a guy, you know, basically kind of pressuring the woman to have sex, you know, mm-hmm. the, the hanky-panky line. The way he swats her on the rear end is, uh, yeah. well, uh, the way he swats you on the rear end, you know, which... Uh, you know, that was not something I directed him to do. So uh, I don't know, maybe it was in the script, but I can't remember. Uh, but that kind of stuff, it's funny to look at this because you realize, oh boy, you know, we have changed in terms of what we think is acceptable behavior, you know, even playing it for laughs. Uh, and I mean, that guy was so great. He played into that chauvinistic, I don't know, I, I guess, yes. oh, Texas oil tycoon. I don't I mean, we don't really know where his money comes from. But if you actually look at the scene qu- closely, he doesn't actually smack my ass. He stops just short of actually making contact. And, you know, because Gary and I became friends off screen. So it yeah. was, um, so he was He's- playing into the character, but he didn't quite do it. You know, he was, so I, I thought it worked though, because he really is keeping in consist is keeping a very consistent character because he's totally inappropriate. I think it's, I, well, it's interesting because I was asking myself as I was watching, I was, it was like, that wouldn't fly today, mm. but it's funny. And it's, it's kind of delightful. Like the way that that actor played the part it's just fun. It's just funny. Yeah. Helps me like a time capsule. Right, you know? right. No, Definitely. he's he says all the wrong things. He's insulting. He's politically incorrect. He's he's totally alienates everyone. And for some reason, it's written in a way that he's still delightful. And and yes. I think we 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 even in this episode we grow to like him even more by the end mm-hmm. of it for sure. But. Um, okay, so here's the the scene that comes up um, that I actually remember because. Julie being stealth to me, I always remember Julie being stealth, like when she was in the hat and the pigtails and calling Luke and saying, Luke, this is a booty call. And, you know, she was like, and this time she's got the, I remember some of the joy that I had from the show was literally the outfits because I didn't dress like that in real life, you know? And it was like, it was very James Bond and these big glasses and staring out. And and we did that in the parking structure at Raleigh Studios because, you know, that's of course the easiest place to go. It was, you know, a hundred feet from our studio. Um, but it's so funny because there, she, he says he's lost this book, classic thing. And, but Julie's like, 
we got to get out. But then it sounds like they're making a shitload of money, right? 40 grand a piece in one night. So it's a very lucrative thing, right? I suppose. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You looked so pretty at the soiree, I'm calling it. Oh, that was actually- That black dress and your hair. I just thought you looked so pretty. Oh, thank you. We do things to entertain ourselves. And part of it as a female- yes is to like, what hairstyle are we going to do? What makeup are we going to do? And we did like a green and we, and and she loved to do a certain kind of um, eyeliner, dark eyeliner. And it, and it kind of worked out the way it was shot at the end, you know, the mm-hmm. close up of the eyes. And I remember Cindy just going, I love this, I love this makeup. I mean, like I said, <laughs> it's such an, such a collaboration, but thank you, Rachel. I, those were the clothes actually make the attitude as well, you know? So it, it worked out. Yeah. But then, you know, Bullet uh, meets with Frank. Apparently mm-hmm. they're friends, right? And, you know, he's like, how you doing? What's going on? And you always said if I ever needed a job. And he was like, well, why here? You know, why Orange County? And somehow he knows about New Match. So we're now we're really like, who is this guy? What's going on? Well, and, and I got to say, that's one of those scenes that, it makes me laugh. It, it feels like there are a lot of scenes like this in television where he goes to his hotel room. He comes in. Do they even sit down? I can't remember. But then he immediately walks out again. Everything they say to one another yeah. could have been done on the phone. Yep. And yet, you know, you, you, you as a director, you're kind of like, all right, well, this is the script <laughs> I've been given. So this person came here to have this conversation. But he literally walks in and then walks right back out again. Right, right. <laughs> I just remember thinking to myself, like, wow, this is so typical of, uh, <laughs> right. of a scene on television where you just feel like, all right, they had to fill out that day and they decided they were going to do that yeah. in, a, in a set as opposed to trying to do it as a as a, they run into each other someplace or a, a telephone call. Right. Well, he takes off because he says the dress shop, which turns out that, you know, this is the beginning of Caitlin and Bullet are are starting this relationship or they're they're bonding over Julie because it's so sweet. Their relationship. It really is. Their their relationship is one of my favorite things from season four. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think what's and, interesting- and there's a scene later, there's a scene later in the season. I just want to say now, since I won't be with you, but there's a scene later in the season and in the other episode I directed this season where uh, they say goodbye to one another. That's one of my favorite scenes of the series. Aww. So Aww. I'll just throw that out there now. Caitlin said, you know, she was supposed to talk to Jimmy and apparently she can't on New Year's and Bullet invites her to the party. And, and she says, you know, and she gives him some good advice because he told Frank, you know, you can't work there because my girlfriend, Julie, won't let you. And when Caitlin says, ignore her, just ignore her, do whatever you want. And that's when he gives her a wad of cash to get a dress or a lollipop. And, and because, and Caitlin's like, you really like my, my, my mom, right? Because she's definitely becomes team bullet. And, uh, as, as they go on. So, yeah, she misses her dad and he's filling that place. Yeah. That but- void. But then Bullet introduces Julie to Frank, who's already going through the books. And Julie can't, his, his, her mouth is on the ground. Like, <laughs> oh. What, one, of my, one of my favorite things about this scene is that you hear a toilet flush as Bullet comes back into <laughs> the room, which I remember, <laughs> I remember in the editing room saying, let's throw a toilet flush in there and just see if it makes it. Because, you know, all of these things, you never know. Because... 
uh, standards and practices will come back and say, no, we can't hear a toilet flush because they don't want to acknowledge the fact that people yeah, everybody use poops. The, the toilet. <laughs> but uh, that's one of, one of my favorite things about that scene was he, you hear a toilet flush and he walks back in the room, which <laughs> I just think is great. Right. But, but man, yeah, no, this is like the ramifications of this. Somebody's actually looking at the books and this isn't fun. He says one little thing where he's like, come on, Julie, taking you out of here. Let's get you out of that pilgrim outfit. And I thought, was it in the script? So <laughs> wardrobe literally found a bibbed shirt or did Gary Grubbs just come up with it on the moment in the, in the moment. So anyway, it, it, it feels to me like that was a scripted line and it feels to me that that customs probably read that and right and found something about it right right I, mm-hmm. yeah that, that would make so much sense but you know bullet has this new year's eve party though that um julie and spencer are just freaking out about um <laughs> because it's a pretty funny um image with all of these because i kept thinking i was like well, all these women, let's call them all noopsies or, you know, the, that type of women. If they're all with these guys, wouldn't it just easily, wouldn't word of mouth get out, you know, like that they're all paying for, you know, this service. But this is this suspension of disbelief of how things can happen, right? Um, but I guess they're all single. It's not like they're married. Is, I, think it is, I think it is the suspension of disbelief and um, I remember being disappointed that we didn't have more really great background to sell that whole aspect of the huh. of the story. I remember thinking like, ah, this isn't really reading the way we wanted to. So we only had a couple in there that really kind of sold that. You mean to you know? feet to actual feet to feature the really good looking hot? Is that what you're saying? Good looking y- young men. Young men, older with very women, yeah, pretty older women. Yeah, I just remember that the background that we had to choose from that day was less than maybe what we wanted, you know, because right. we didn't really we didn't really do as many cutaways as I'd hoped. I did. But I I will say this is something I really love uh, is the way that the two parties are very distinguished by the music that's playing. Yeah, very yeah. much so. There's 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 a selection from uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's that we use uh, as part of the party uh, music for the adults. And then it cuts to this electronic music for the right. the rave out in the desert. Yeah. I noticed that the difference between the two parties and intercutting them. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Well done. Let's pop back to that rave party because when uh, clearly, you know, Seth stuck his foot in his mouth and he said he was, he got interrupted by Chino in the meantime, Ryan confronts Taylor and says, look, why can't you tell me, you know, I don't care about the other stuff. And essentially she's like, what are you talking about? And he says, I know it's yours, but it turns into this instead of Taylor saying, no, 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 it's summers. Don't worry. She, you know, as, as confident and actually experienced as Taylor is with the world, she still has these, (laughs) she's very highly reactive to any kind of suggestion that she thinks she's being called a divorcee whore. And I think she says whore like half a dozen times at least. You think I'm a whore. I love the way she says it. (laughs) But of course she gets so upset, she runs off and gets drunk. While Seth kind of who comes up and explains what happens. And all she does is focus on the fact that her new boyfriend thinks she's a whore. So she's very reactionary, <laughs> right? 
Yes. Yes. So <laughs> yes. that's when Summer runs up. She grabs the keys, ditches them. And so the boys end up on their own and they get that, they get that, uh, you know, luckily very stealthily get that purse back and catch yes, you spelling his name. <laughs> what is it again? Still my favorite bit. Zog, Zerg. Zorg, what's Zerg. my name? Zerg Zerg Nog. Zerg 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 Nog. Separately, they head back. And, you know, Summer was saying some really, I guess, things that I would agree with. She was like, how did I be- go from Brown to being this pregnant dropout? Yeah. Right? I would be very sympathetic to that. But, um, but then Taylor, of course, turns it around. You know, life is all about her perspective. She's like, you know what? It's a new year. Anything can happen. It'll be fine. It'll be good. You know? It's um, it's not that big of a deal. We'll we'll work it out. In the meantime, the boys get a ride, and you know, and and Ryan has some really important things to say. He's like, you know, as scared as you are, just imagine how scared Summer is. You know, I think that's a that's a very valid thing to 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 say. And uh, yeah, so that's going on. Do you remember all of that? Um, all that van stuff or or car stuff uh, that that was still all on the set as well. I would imagine, right? I'm not sure. Uh, I feel like that we shot some of the interiors of the van out at the Hawthorne Airport where we shot the exteriors of the rave venue. But I love the details. I love the idea that you see these various details. You see the purse. You see the pregnancy test. You see the, the ring. You see the, the, the um, uh, windshield cleaner at the, the gas station. You see all these things. You see all these details throughout the episode which I think is uh, really um, wonderful because they really help tell the story. And seeing that ring there uh, in the van as I was rewatching it, I was like, I wonder why we cut to the ring there. And then so that <laughs> later, it was wonderful. I thought that as well. Like, yeah. It didn't, it didn't, it surprised me when he's summer's back in a room and Seth shows up with the bag and, you know, when he proposes and, you know, cause he hasn't looked at it and he, in the, in the <laughs> moment, like he's thinking what, like this, is showing right her thing to do right this is the big gesture that mm. sandy was talking about like this is it doesn't matter i want to be with you whether you're pregnant or not and it's a really great way to make up for what he did so the intention is good and then what happens she opens up the purse and and she's not pregnant <laughs> i did not remember a proposal at all did not know totally happened. surprising right yeah no i did not remember that this happened in the story Right. And watching it, I was like, oh, my God. I had a few mouth drops in this whole episode. That was one of them. It's a very sweet scene. I think it's a very sweet scene. I really like that scene a lot. Right. I thought that it was wonderful the way that he says, you know, I want to make sure that you know that this is sincere before we look at this test. And then the way that both of you kind of look like what just happened here yeah. after the right. after the test is negative. I thought it was wonderful. She's like, yeah. should we celebrate? <laughs> but but it, but it's one of those things where you go into, you know, our whole societies were inundated with, you know, the fantasy of getting married and doing all these things that we we dream about. And when things happen, there was you could just feel the moment where it's like, I'm not pregnant. And like, oh, God, what do we just do? Right. Like now we're committed to this and and all of the other thoughts like, am I too? Am I ready for this? So we'll we'll see in the next episode how all this comes about. Right. Oh, yes. One thing I wanted to just note, one improv that I actually laughed out loud 
was earlier when they're packing to go to Vegas, they decide to go to um, Seth and Summer. (laughs) And Seth is like, oh, no, he's going to help me pack. And he's helping her pack. And he takes down a lamp from the closet. (laughs) I didn't see that. That's a very very Adam thing to do. I remember that, too. (laughs) I laughed out loud. I was like, yep. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I just had to give a shout out. And then the other thing that, of course, at the very end of the episode, that I lit my mouth literally drops because I'm watching this show in real time, never seen, don't know anything. Was we find out what do we find out at the very end of the episode, guys? When Mr. Frank shows up at the party and he kind of like very menacingly shows up and says and gives a hotel key to Julie and says, Meet me in 30 minutes. And Julie's scared as fuck, right? In the meantime, Sandy bumps into him and is like, hmm, his wheels start turning. But yeah, you go in and there's this thing that happens where she's like, you know, I'm not trading sex for for whatever this is. I'm, I may be a madam, but I'm not a whore. And he's like, that's not what this is. And then you cut back and forth between Sandy searching some records. Mm-hmm. And right as you see breaking and entering, you see DUI, you see domestic battery, and you see the name Atwood Frank, and then boom, I'm Ryan's father. End of episode. It was really Mouth well. Drop. Mouth drop. <laughs> it did. So you you did not know watching this, Rachel? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. Of course not. Yeah, I thought and, it was uh, well done. He, you know, he he had, he had quite a record. He had quite a record. <laughs> right. For he was going to become like uh, an ongoing character in the show. I was like, oh my god, he did a lot of things. He let, he did a lot of bad things. He's yeah. a bad man. If you hear the stories about, you know, if we ever did imagine him, you know, we've seen people from Chino, we've seen people from the Inland Empire on this show, and they're always like trucker hat, you know, ready to rumble type, really hard edged guys. And this guy doesn't present that way. He's he's like polite and kind of elegant and um, kind of suave. Well, he does, he does have that haircut, so... <laughs> There's that. I don't think he, I think he still does too. <laughs> the one thing we skipped over that I yeah. just feel like yes. deserves special mention is the uh, dance between Bullet and uh, Caitlin yeah. at the end of the New Year's Eve party. I thought that was a very sweet scene where they, uh, where he teaches her the Texas two step. Yeah. Yeah. She says, that's what sealed the deal for me was just seeing that moment between them when I was like, he's stepping in and she misses her dad and that's her old father figure. Yeah. I thought that was a lovely, I thought that was a lovely scene. Really sweet. But there is one other thing that I thought was an awesome end to this caper that they were on was, you know, when Ryan walks in and Taylor's in bed and she's, he's like, Hey, and she's like, um, she says, get in line with the other five guys I'm going to have sex with. (laughs) <laughs> and then she goes, because do you still think I'm a whore? And he was like, no, like I never did. And she goes, unless you want me to be. And because like, that's the Taylor. And so it was, it was a, it really paid off. Like Taylor, they're back because I think that uh, I'm just, I'm team Taylor Ryan. I think they needed it. So that is the episode of Earth Girls Are Crazy, which of course was the 1988 movie with Jeff Goldblum and, and Gina Davis, if you're too. Which uh, it was actually, Earth Girls Are Easy, Sorry. which I actually was an assistant editor on. <gasps> what? I was an assistant editor on that movie. Yep. No way. So, very serendipitous. I uh, I worked on that movie as an assistant editor uh, at the end of it um, and um, worked with the director, Julian Temple, on another movie as well about the Rolling Stones. 
And uh, so there, it did feel very serendipitous when I ended up on this episode huh. to uh, direct. That's awesome. That is so cool. What a fun little tidbit. So, Norman, we have a little rapid fire for you before you run off. Okay. No, I never do very well at these, but okay. Oh, the, no, this isn't trivia. It's just a yes or no or your preference. Oh, okay, good. All right. Yeah, just rapid fire. Just <laughs> say it and you just pick the first one that is your pick. <laughs> uh, Texas two-step or tango? Texas two-step. Aliens or zombies? Aliens. Orange County or Serenity, South Carolina? <laughs> oh, you guys are like, put me in a vice. <laughs> I'm going to say Serenity, South Carolina, just because that's where I am right now. So I always want to be, be here now. Be here Aww, now. That's fair. <laughs> Kid Chino or The Ironist? The Ironist. Oh, okay. The Ironist. The Ironist. Yeah. Nice. Mm, okay. It's also the one I relate to more. that'd be really funny if you were like i really relate to kid chino (laughs) um surf or turf uh surf i think i know the answer to this one editing or directing directing (laughs) ding 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 there well is that the answer you thought i thought yes no you we've had many discussions about it and and you know i i yeah I have always loved the progression of your career and your friendships. So thank you so much. Thank you for well, coming again. I, I really am grateful that I've had the career I've had. I feel like there's a lot of people involved with the OC who are really responsible for that. And so, again, I just want to give a big shout out to um, uh, Josh and Stephanie and Bob DeLaurinis, the three of them. I feel very uh, grateful to all of them for for the career that I've had and what it's become. So thank you very, very much for letting me do that. And thanks for letting me join you guys again, because this has been really fun. It's been so much fun to, to listen to the podcast and be a part of it. And I really appreciate uh, my friendship with both of you. Thank Aww. you, Norman. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, Norman. Thank you so much. It means so much that you have gone um, on this ride with us. <laughs> oh, I've enjoyed it. It's been really, really, it was a special time. It was a special time for me. So yeah, Really grateful to be able to revisit it with you. Well, that being said, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Follow, rate, and review. Welcome to the OC Bitches, wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you like to watch us, please check us out on YouTube. And you can now listen to bonus features as well as season one and two of the OC Bitches by going to castmedia.com slash cast plus. That's cast with a K, media.com slash cast plus. Do it. Okay. Bye, bitches. Bye. Welcome to the OC Bitches is brought to you by Cast Media. Executive produced by Colin Thompson, Harris Lane. Produced by Katie Kurtwright. Edited by Parker Flores and our technical engineers, Travis Holden and Dustin Park. Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners, also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today, 570-726-6200.